The personal stories expressed in this series reflect the true experiences and opinions of the guests and may not represent the official position of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Elder M. Russell Ballard of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles has said, There is hope for the addicted, and this hope comes through the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ and by humbling oneself before God, pleading to be freed of the bondage of addiction and offering our whole soul to Him in fervent prayer. Priesthood leaders can help as those who have addiction seek counsel from them. Where necessary, they can refer them to qualified licensed counselors and LDS family services. The addiction recovery program adapted from the original 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is readily available through LDS Family Services. In this series, you will hear actual meetings discussing each of the gospel principles of addiction recovery and healing. Addiction recovery meetings have strict guidelines of confidentiality and anonymity. These podcasts may seem contradictory to such standards. All the participants in these meetings are active participants in the addiction recovery program and have willingly volunteered to participate. Their experiences are genuine and not fabricated. These recordings were created with the express purpose of providing a way for individuals who are isolated from recovery groups to participate, as well as provide an example to church leaders and members of a typical meeting. In today's meeting, we will discuss Step 3, Trust in God. Welcome to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Meeting. I'm Elder Ennis, and I am serving as the missionary group leader this evening. Hello, Elder. Hi, Elder Ennis. How are you doing? (laughs) Uh, We have have a new face here, so we'd like to go around the room and introduce ourselves. Uh, We'll start here at my left and have Robert introduce himself. My name is Robert, and I'm an addict and alcoholic. Hi, Robert. Hi, Robert. I am Scott, and I'm a recovering uh, pornography addict. Hey, Scott. Hi, Scott. I'm, hi, I'm Abra. I'm a recovering addict. Hey, Abra. I'm Abra. I'm Sharon, and I'm an addict. Hi, hi Sharon. I'm Lindsay. I'm an addict. Hi, Lindsay. My name is Karen. I'm a recovering drug addict. Hi, hi Karen. Karen. I'm Karen. My name is Rich. I'm a recovering drug addict. Hi, hi Rich. Rich. I'm Luann, and I'm a grateful recovering addict. Hi, hi Luann. Hi, Luann. I'm Steve. I am recovering from uh, massive opiate dependency. My name is Dub, and I'm a grateful son of God who happens to have multiple allergies. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Please turn off your cell phones and pagers so we do not have that interruption during our meeting. And uh, we would like to call on somebody to offer us an opening prayer. Who would like to volunteer? Our dear kind Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity we have to meet together as thy children and as people who are searching for recovery and searching for, for the Savior. And Lord, we pray that thy Spirit will be here tonight, that... We'll be able to feel thy spirit and hear the words that you would need us to hear to help us grow and develop in our recovery. Lord, we pray for addicts everywhere that they may have experiences that will bring them into recovery meetings or to bring them closer to the Savior. 
Lord, we just love you very much and are so grateful for this inspired program. And we say it's in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. As with all of our meetings, we'd like to start with the church's mission statement concerning the addiction recovery program, and that is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Meetings assist those who desire to recover from addiction. We also welcome family and friends whose lives may be affected by the addiction of another. We are a group of brothers and sisters who share our experience, faith, and hope as we study and apply the principles of the gospel as they correlate with the 12 steps of recovery. Our meetings provide a safe place for honest sharing because we adhere to the principles of confidentiality and anonymity, and we use appropriate language and behavior to invite the Spirit to be with us. As we practice these 12 steps in our lives, we, we receive power through the Atonement of Jesus Christ to overcome addiction and receive the full blessings of the gospel. Family and friends who practice these same 12 steps will also find hope and healing for themselves. We will now go around the room and read each of the 12 steps found on page Roman numeral number 4. We invite each person who is willing to read one step. It is perfectly acceptable to pass if you prefer to listen only. We'll start here at my left with Robert. Step 1. Admit that you of yourself are powerless to overcome your addictions and that your life has become unmanageable. Step 2. Come to believe that the power of God can restore you to complete spiritual health. Step three, decide to turn your will and your life over to the care of God, the Eternal Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. Step four, make a searching and fearless written moral inventory of yourself. Step five, admit to yourself, to your Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, to proper priesthood authority, and to another person, the exact nature of your wrongs. Step six, become entirely ready to have God remove all your character weaknesses. Step seven, humbly ask Heavenly Father to remove your shortcomings. Step 8. Make a written list of all persons you have harmed and become willing to make restitution to them. Step 9. Wherever possible, make direct restitution to all persons we have harmed. And step 10. We continue to take personal inventory, and when we are wrong, promptly admit it. Step 11. Seek through prayer and meditation to know the Lord's will and to have the power to carry it out. Step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of the Atonement of Jesus Christ, Share this message with others and practice these principles in all you do. Each week we focus on a different step. This week we will read step 3, starting on page 13, from a guide to addiction recovery and healing. We will go around the room, and each person who is willing may read one or two paragraphs. You may pass if you prefer to listen. We have an extra copy of the guide for you to use in this meeting in case you ha uh, do not have one. During the reading, listen for thoughts and feelings and experiences you have in common with those who have taken the, these steps. We'll go on ahead and continue with. Step three is the decision step. In the first two steps, we awakened to what we could not do for ourselves and what we needed God to do for us. Then in step three, we were introduced to the only thing we could do for God. We could make a decision to open ourselves to Him and surrender our entire lives, past, present, and future, and our will about our lives to Him. Step three was an act of agency. It was the most important choice we ever made. Elder Neil A. Maxwell of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles made the following statement about this most significant decision. The submission of one's will is really the only uniquely personal thing we have to place on God's altar. It is a hard doctrine, but it is true. The many other things we give to God, however nice, 
that may be of us are actually things he has already given us, and he has loaned them to us. But when we begin to submit ourselves by letting our wills be swallowed up in God's will, then we are really giving something to him. President Boyd K. Packer of the Quorum of the Twelve described his decision to yield his will to God and the freedom that decision gave him. Perhaps the greatest discovery of my life, without question, the greatest commitment came when finally I had the confidence in God that I would loan or yield my agency to him without compulsion or pressure, without any duress, as a single individual alone, by myself, no counterfeiting, nothing expected other than the privilege, in a sense, speaking figuratively, to take one's agency, that precious gift which the scriptures make plain is essential to life itself, and say, I will do as you direct. It is afterward to learn that in so doing you possess it all the more. When we took step three, we faced the truth that recovery was far more the result of the Lord's efforts than our own. He worked the miracle when we invited him into our lives. Step three was a decision to allow God to recover and redeem us. It was a decision to allow him to direct our lives, remembering, of course, that he always respects our agency. Thus, we decided to put our lives in his hands by continuing to follow this spiritually focused program of recovery. When we first attended recovery meetings, we may have felt pressured or even forced by others to be there. But, we, but to take step three, we had to decide to act for ourselves. We realized that changing our lives this much had to be our own decision. It wasn't about what our parents did, what they were doing now, or what they wanted. Neither was it about what our spouses, families, or friends thought, felt, did, or did not do. We saw we had to be willing to stay clean and sober regardless of anyone else's opinions or choices. Our willingness was the solid foundation on which the balance of recovery rested. As we read the Book of Mormon, we discovered a powerful validation of Step 3 in Alma 5.13. They humbled themselves and put their trust in the true and living God. When we took this step, we felt terrified of the unknown. What would happen if we humbled ourselves and surrendered our lives and wills completely to the care of God? For many of us, childhood had been a very childhood had been very hard, and we were terrified of becoming as vulnerable as little children again. We were convinced by past experiences that making a definite commitment was nearly impossible, given the insanity surrounding us in this world. We had seen too many commitments broken. We had broken too many ourselves. The best some of us could do was try what our recovering friends had suggested. Don't use. Go to meetings. Ask for help. Those who had walked the steps of recovery before us invited us to experiment with this new way of living. They patiently waited for us to become willing to open the door to God just a little bit. The Lord extends the same invitation. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice... And open the door. I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. At first, our efforts were anxious and halting. We kept giving the Lord our trust and then taking it back. We worried that he would be displeased at our inconsistency and withdraw his support and love from us, but he didn't. Gradually, we allowed the Lord to demonstrate his healing power and the safety of following his way. 
Eventually, each of us realized that we, we not only had to give up our addictions, but we also had to turn our entire will and life over to God. As we did so, we found Him patient and accepting of our faltering efforts to surrender to Him in all things. Our ability to withstand temptation is now grounded in our continual submission to the will of the Lord. We express our need for the power available to us through the Savior's atonement, and we begin to fill that power within us, fortifying us against the next temptation. We have learned to accept life on the Lord's terms. As Elder Maxwell observed, that this submission to the Lord is hard doctrine. It requires us to rededicate ourselves to His will at the start of each day and sometimes every hour or even from moment to moment. As we are willing to do so, we find the grace or enabling power to do what we could not do for ourselves. Continued submission to God's will will reduce strife and brings more meaning to our lives. Small things like traffic jams are no longer cause for upset. We no longer fear our creditors. We accept responsibility for our actions. We accept and treat others as we would like to be treated, as the Savior would treat us all. Our eyes, our minds, and our hearts are finally opened to the truth that mortality is challenging and that it will always have the potential to bring us sorrow and frustration as well as happiness. Each new day we renew our submission to the Lord and His will. This is what most of us mean when we say one day at a time. We have decided to let go of the self-will and self-seeking that were at the root of our addictions and enjoy another 24 hours of the serenity and strength that comes from trusting in God and in His goodness, power, and love. These 12 steps are a program of action. As we read the section called Action Steps, we learn about recovery and gospel actions we can take to come unto Christ and receive power to live in recovery from addiction. Let's continue our reading. Action Steps. Attend sacrament meeting. Review and renew baptismal covenants. Taking step three and trusting God in all things can be like putting on a new pair of glasses and seeing everything with new eyes. By making the decision to turn your will over to God, you will begin to experience the comfort and joy that come from seeking and doing Heavenly Father's will. Baptism and this sacrament symbolize your love and surrender to Jesus Christ. You covenant to take His name upon you, to always remember Him, to follow Him and keep His commandments, that you may always have His Spirit to be with you. Speak with your bishop or branch president about your addiction and your decision to follow the will of God. Do your best to attend a sacrament meeting each week. As you worship, listen carefully to the sacrament prayers and consider the gifts that Heavenly Father offers you. Then renew your commitment to accept and follow His will for your life by partaking of the sacrament if your bishop or branch president gives you permission to do so. As your recovery progresses, you will find yourself more willing to be among those who honor the sacrifice of the Savior. You will begin to experience the reality that with God, nothing shall be impossible. Decide to trust and obey God. Change what you can change, accept what you cannot change. These words, adapted from a prayer by Reinhold Niebuhr and known as the Serenity Prayer, can help you as you decide to trust and obey God. 
God, grant me serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You can accept with serenity the current reality of your condition when you trust in God's ability to help you. You can accept with serenity that although you cannot control the choices and actions of others, you can decide how you will act in each situation you face. You can decide with courage to trust your Father in heaven and act according to His will. You can turn your will and life over to His care. You can decide to do what He asks and to keep His commandments. You may not be able to change some, some things in your life, but you can change your willingness to trust in God and obey Him. As you learn to trust Him, you will see that His plan is for you to follow what Alma called the great, great plan of happiness. You will learn that even in affliction and difficulty, all things work together for, for good to them that love God and keep His commandment. Thank you. We will now turn the time over to our facilitator, Robert, to conduct the sharing portion of this meeting. Robert? Hi, everybody. My name's Robert. Hey, Robert. I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. It's an honor to be among you tonight. Welcome, everybody. Step three. Good heavens. Um, first, they asked us to give up denial. Uh, I mean, we were comfortable in denial. Let's face it. If we were in denial, we could do anything, rationalize anything. Then we have to come to believe that we can be restored to spiritual health. I had no chance of doing that. And then they want to surrender our will. Uh, those are three tasks that I had a lot of difficulty with. Not because, you know, I, I analyzed all the time my recovery as to what happened. Because my, my recovery was truly miraculous. It's not that I didn't struggle for a long time before it happened. But when it did happen, it went really fast. And... Uh, I think most of you know that my story involves being uh, thrown in jail for various misdeeds. Uh, but this step, like every other, requires the, the one trait, which I think is, is the one is to be valued among many, I think. It says um, in Emmanuel, they humble themselves and put their trust in the true and living God, quoting in Alma. Uh, whether I was compelled to or not, Things began to change in my recovery when I got humble. It just made all the difference. You know, I think I always had a testimony of the gospel. Um, but I, I, I really felt that the Lord had to be so disappointed in me, or, or otherwise I had some sort of really serious defect of character, that uh, I was beyond the pale of redemption. Uh, redemption didn't count for me. It did for other folks, but not for me. That's a sorry situation. That's one of the... I think Satan uses that trap for lots of folks and they're addicted. But but when you get humble and when you are able to call upon the enabling power of the atonement, I think sometimes, you know, I thought the atonement was just for forgiveness of sin. And I think it goes way beyond that. You know, it's a power greater than ourselves. And uh, I, I, couldn't have, I couldn't have surrendered my will. Uh, without that enabling power of the atonement. And, you know, after I'd gone through this, this fairly serious, uh, in my mind it was serious, uh, period of remorse and pain and uh, I'm really getting humble and, and imploring of the Lord to help me, and for once in my life really surrendering my will, that's when the miracle occurred. That's when all the good stuff happened. 
That's when I walked out of that jail a month later and, uh, you know, never looked back, so to speak. Um, I still struggle with it. Uh, I can be as prideful as, as can be, and uh, I want to withdraw my will all the time. It's still a continual struggle, but what a blessing it was to go through that experience in, in that jail cell. Uh, I'll never forget that. It's a gift that I will be eternally grateful for. I testify that when we're able to do it, that surrendering your will, trusting in the Lord, He does not let you down. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Thanks Okay, for those of you who have joined us since the meeting began, we welcome you. We will now begin the sharing portion of the meeting. Share about your personal recovery experience as it relates to the tools of recovery, this week's step, or the step you are currently working on. Please focus your sharing on the solution rather than the problem. Refrain from mentioning graphic details about the practice of your addiction. Remember, crosstalk, which is interrupting or commenting directly about another participant's remarks, is not appropriate. Also, it is perfectly acceptable to pass if you prefer to listen only. Confidentiality and anonymity foster honesty and make this a safe place to share. Therefore, whom you see here, what you hear here, when you leave here, let it stay here. Here, here. In keeping with the principle of anonymity, we invite you to introduce yourself by your first name only. We'll conclude the sharing portion five minutes before the end of the meeting at 9 o'clock. For final thoughts from Elder Ennis, time is now yours to share your experience, faith, and hope. We invite you to share for three to five minutes. If you go longer, I'm going to give you a really obnoxious signal. So you've used your full time for sharing. In this meeting, we'll proceed uh, from the left where I sit, by person to person around the room. Uh, Scott, would you like to begin? I'd be glad to. Thank you. Hi, I'm Scott. Hey, Scott. Hi, Scott. And I am recovering from a uh, 35-year addiction to pornography. I'm so grateful to be slowly learning to trust my Heavenly Father better. And I say slowly because it is a day-to-day process. And I find when I'm struggling in whatever area it is, whether it's thoughts or laziness or patience, whatever it is, I find that if I'm able to get back to a place of trusting my Heavenly Father, I can start leaning upon His principles and what He's asked me to do better. For me personally, gratitude and trust go hand in hand and if I'm not being trustful it's because I'm not being grateful so that's something I've kind of consciously used a lot is to almost habitually go through each night or if I need to during the day start thinking okay (laughs) what have I been given because I'm feeling like poor me kind of feelings and like no one's giving me what I want and nothing's going right and therefore all the justification and all those things start running through your head so if I slow down and I just start recognizing those gorgeous sunsets, my garden's growing, all those kind of things that are going good, and most of which happen without any, no action on my part, then I realize how much God is there for me. Uh, and how can I not trust someone that is there for me when I don't really deserve it? And, and, he, and he just is there. And that is such an amazing thing to realize that and to, just to, to give that some real attention and thought. Um, beyond that, it's, this, this step has been a, 
I know some of the steps almost have a feel to me of you can kind of do them and you kind of feel like you're kind of done with them, even though it's good to go back and do them. But this one, it's just got to be an ongoing day-by-day -day thing or else I struggle in one area or another. Um, one thing that helped me, though, is to, to realize that it's that God does not want my agency. All he wants is for me to align my will with his. And I've just heard a lot of people talk about how it's such a struggle to give their will to God. But unlike Satan, God doesn't want our agency. He just knows we'll be a lot happier and a lot more successful and all those things. And I have been as I align my will with his. And so... I am grateful to have learned that and been given that little bit of light and truth on the subject. So, I know my Father is there for me always. The Savior understands exactly what I'm going through, what I struggle with, and I, I can't be more grateful for for that knowledge. One of the blessings in my patriarchal blessing was that I would never, that I would always have a testimony of the love of my heavenly Father, and I've always I've had that. And, I can't imagine not having that because that would be such a struggle dealing with life's temptations and failures and all the things that come along if, if I felt like I was on my own. And so I am grateful to my, my Heavenly Father for that belief that he blessed me with. And I leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank, you, Scott. Thank, you, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Hi, Mabra. Hey, Mabra. I'm a recovering addict. Um, step three for me... Um, I think was, I love step three, um, but it was kind of hard for me in the beginning um, because I didn't want to submit myself to Heavenly Father. I had this idea that my stuff was my stuff and I didn't want to give it up. And uh, I'd carried it around a long time, you know. I had this beautiful backpack full of all my stuff and I didn't know if Heavenly Father was going to take care of my stuff and if he was going to let me see my stuff. And so I would, I'd give him some of my stuff, but then I'd say, no, I want my stuff back because I like my stuff. And so then, so it was just this really internal struggle for me to give him my stuff and, and let him, you know, and, and align my will with his. And so I, I have been clean 11 years today. And, uh, yes. I it's taken me probably nine years of that struggling every day to get myself to the point where I can say I have given him almost all my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I it it's it's just a struggle for me. Um, but luckily, I came into this uh, program and. The people that share their life with me keep me strong and reminds me that my Heavenly Father loves me regardless of how many times I've screwed up in my life. And I leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you. I'm Sharon. I'm an addict. Hi, Sharon. And Lindsay and I went to dinner before the meeting and we actually were talking about step three and what we might want to say about it tonight. And we're both like... Guess whatever the spirit spirit says, and um, as I've been listening, um, some of the thoughts that are coming to me is, uh, I, I've been clean 23 years now, and um, 
And I wish I could say that in, in 23 years that just giving God all of my will came all at once. Because it didn't. It came in pieces. And um, I, I have a wonderful patriarchal blessing that says that if I will serve God, that basically he will take care of me. He's always there for me I, if I get remember to serve him and the Savior. And since I got clean, about nine months of sobriety, I had a prayer. And I told God that I would be of service to him if he would help me live a life of sobriety. And I feel like I've tried to do that to the best of my ability, be of service. And I feel like he left. Uh, I feel like he's lived up to his end of the bargain. I'm clean. And I've been of service, and it's been a partnership. But there's been these... Um, and well, there, there's in these pieces that I know I haven't given them, you know, and uh, having trauma in my background and learning how to overcome all of that. It's taken a long time and in some ways a lifetime. And um, I wish I could say, well, I wish I was at a point where I could just, you know, when trials come and tribulations that I could just sit back in an easy chair and everything's fine because I've got it right on paper that I'm going to be taken care of. So then why do I feel all nervous and in knots and everything and um, so I, I hope to get to that point in this life but um, one of the things that changed it for me um, there was this part of me I won't get specifics but it was a character defect that I had even as recently as last year and another beautiful missionary in the addiction program let me borrow a book from Neil Maxwell and in the book it's called If Thou Endureth Well and in that whole book it's all about our will versus Heavenly Father's will and about um, turning our will over to God. But I really love how um, it talks about the Garden of Gethsemane. See, I guess up until I read that book, I always thought that the Garden of Gethsemane, that our Savior prayed for all of us, and, um, you know, he had bled from every pore. But um, I guess I just thought that was always cool that he prayed for each of us before the atonement. What I didn't understand until I read that book is that not only did he pray for each of us, but the battle of his will in the Garden of Gethsemane that, I mean, if you think about it, you know, here he is knowing all that he's going to go through. And he's like, okay, God, if I don't have to do this, that would be the greatest thing ever. And, you know, please, I don't want to, but okay, nevertheless, your will, not mine. And it must have been a long period. It doesn't really say how long he was in there, but it must have been a long time because the disciples that were with them outside of the garden were sleeping. They had to be sleeping because it had to be something personal between the Savior and the Lord. And in the end, I mean, he was tempted, and Satan was there, and, you know, an angel had to come and help, just like angels come and help us in this life. And so, and in the end, of course, we know he surrendered, and... Uh, when I when I had read it that way, um, I know that for me, it it just made all the difference. And I chose to give the rest of that part of me to the Lord, and became a missionary in the addiction program, just like so many other great people before me. Um, and I'm not ever in this life going to be perfect, but I do know this: the more I choose to serve my heavenly Father. When all these huge storms, and I was even telling Lindsay, they're never small. They always seem like these big, giant storms. But I can tell you that it, that it seems like the Lord's taking care of them even before I can utter the prayers of help. And I really enjoy that time with him in the morning and at night to be able to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
in. You know, I haven't had, you know, this uh, coast-free life. You know, it's it's been a hard, in some ways, hard life. Um, but in in so many ways, a blessed life. And all because of giving my will to the Lord. I come from a family of addicts where so many people die from addiction all the time. You know, my brother died of his own disease 12 years ago, took his life. Um, you know, first cousins and their kids. And so the fact that I even have a life to live the struggles, to overcome them, to, you know, they say that the Lord um, chastens those that he loves. So I guess he must really love me at times. <laughs> but I have to say that I know that I love him. And I'm really grateful for the 12-step recovery program, um, not only in our beautiful church and the way that it's been formatted for the Savior, but I love all the other addiction recovery programs out there because that's where they all started, mile upon mile, precept upon precept. And I'm proud to serve wherever Heavenly Father wants me today. And I say in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Thanks, Sharon. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks, Sharon. I'm Lindsay. I'm an addict. Hi, Lindsay. Hi. Um, step three, the decision step. That was so hard for me um, to make a decision. And I think a lot of the reason was because when I first got sober and I originally got off the drugs, I still had a lot of self-hatred. Um, I had a lot of doubt, a lot of insecurity. You know, I would look in the mirror and not recognize myself. Anything was a hard decision. You know, every, just what I was going to wear in the morning was hard for me. I did not know how to make any decisions. So to turn my will and my life over and to make that decision just seemed so overwhelming, so challenging, so impossible. Um, so I got sober a little, about two and a half years ago originally and got off the drugs and all of that, and I started on my journey um, of recovery. And I, it was challenging. I kind of white-knuckled it for a long time. Um, I didn't really work the program like I should or go to meetings or um, I didn't reach out my hand to people. And I struggled really bad, and I did that for about a year. And I got married really early on in sobriety, like they you know, suggest not to. And that relationship was really hard. I'm really grateful for that relationship today um, that I had that experience because it led me to step three and to be able to finally get me down on my knees and to turn my will and my life over to my, he my Heavenly Father. Um, so I was in this relationship, and he actually continued to relapse, and he was using, and he had to go to treatment. And um, that was the hardest thing for me. I felt so alone when he went to treatment. That was harder than going to jail. It was harder than you know getting off the drugs. It was harder than anything. I felt so totally alone desperate. I did not know what to do because he had kind of become my drug and my higher power at that point. And I remember after a visit in that treatment center, I was driving home in my car and I was on the phone with my friend and I was just telling her, I was expressing how alone I felt and I felt like nobody cared. You know, none of my friends were reaching out. They didn't do enough. They didn't do this or that. And, um, and I didn't understand why. And my friend just told me, well, Lindsay, I think we all care. We just don't know how to help you. And all of a sudden it clicked, and I just got it. And I'm like, you're right. You know, they do all love me, but they can't save me. You know, and neither can my, um, my husband at the time. Nobody could save me except for our Savior and the one who has the power and the grace and the capability and the strength to save me from myself. And so it was at that moment that I decided to turn my will and my life over to my Savior. And I remember it so clearly, and the weight was just lifted, and instantly... You know, I started getting blessing after blessing, and the freedom started coming from that. And I, I started seeing direction and purpose in my life, and I started loving myself. And um, needless to say, I'm not still in that relationship. 
um, but my life has become so much better, you know, and I, I know when um, I'm meant to be with somebody, the right person will come, and I'm okay to be alone today, which I could have never said like a year or two ago. Um, so I am so grateful for that. Step three can be really overwhelming in the beginning, but I am so grateful for step three today. Um, a lot of it is just being in the moment for me. You know, we have to let go of our past, let go of the future, anxiety over the future. I really struggle with that. Every day I have to turn my will and my life over. I have to remind myself, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing and ask the Lord for help. I have such a strong testimony of this program. It has given me um, not just, you know, a great life, but a brand new life full of meaning and purpose and direction. And I am so grateful for the life I have today. I got to take my first grader, my son. It was his first day of first grade today. And I got to take him to school. And I get so, like, I just think the moms that, you know, cry and talk about crying are so weird. And I just don't understand that. And sure enough, you know, I was sitting in the car ready to take him, and we decided to pray, which is something I never would have done a year or two ago. And the tears started coming, and I just <laughs> I just knew that I was just, you know, so grateful to be where I was at that day, you know, and to have, to be able to show up for my kids today and to be able to be in that experience, to be totally in the moment and to appreciate it and to be aware of it. What a blessing. Um, I cried the whole way there and the whole way back, and it was amazing. Um, and it's a direct result of this program. I have a testimony that the Lord lives and that He loves us so much, and He is just ready to help us and to guide us and to direct us. He, His plan for us is already already there. He knows where we're going to go and what we need to do to get there. And I say these things humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lindsay. Hi, I'm Karen. I'm a recovering drug addict. Hi, Karen. And I'm, I'm having trouble getting my thoughts together tonight for some reason. There's all this stuff going around, and so I'm going to do the best I can. But step three as a couple of you mentioned, was extremely difficult for me when I went through the steps the first time. I couldn't really grasp what it meant to turn it over. Um, I was in graduate school at the time and used to philosophizing with people all the time, and I have to have things very concrete and intellectual, and turning it over did not make any sense to me whatsoever because it couldn't I couldn't see it. <laughs> so um, I really struggled. And I remember almost a year going, being stuck on this step and going to meetings and asking people, what does that mean? I mean, how do you do that? What does it mean to turn it over? And I've kind of, through the years, come to kind of understand that a little better. For one thing, I know that turning it over is not necessarily a one-time event, <laughs> for sure, but um, but I do like how this is so focused on the word decide and decision, and that really stood out to me tonight as we were reading how decide to turn your will and your life over is decide is a pretty strong action verb. It's not a passive thing at all. This is something we have to actually do, and I was kind of underlining in here, but just on this, even on this front page of step three, it says step three is a decision step. We could make a decision to open ourselves to him. Step three is an act of agency. It's the most important choice we ever made. Um, Boyd K. Packard describes how a decision to yield our will, will to God, so forth. It's the 
decision to allow God, it's decision to allow him to direct our lives, decide to act for ourselves, it's our own decision. This is all direct quotes from this first, I mean, that's this whole thing. I was talking about that, and I totally didn't get that until a couple years into it, but I think the that there was one moment, like um, Sharon was saying, where there was that one moment, or maybe it was Lindsay, <laughs> sorry, who said that, you knew that at that moment that, that it was time to change. And um, I did have a moment of surrender like that. And the decision to surrender did, it was a conscious decision. And it actually came to me when I was getting out of treatment for the second time and realizing that if I didn't change something, it, I would just end up back there over and over again like I just had. And I remember praying and saying, okay, I'm done, you know, and to me, surrender is not a negative thing. If you think about a war, if you get to that point where you throw up the white flag and say, okay, I'm, I I don't want to be killed at this point. And if I don't surrender, I'm going to be killed. And that's pretty much what it was like at that point for me. It's like, this thing's going to kill me unless I surrender and admit that I can't do this. I will lose this battle if I don't surrender. So I do remember when that happened. And even though trusting in God is a constant process, I do know that it was that moment when I could surrender and say, this is out of my hands and I need you to take it, that that I was finally able to move past step three and go forward. So it's a really really important step. It's a hard step, especially if during that time of using um, your relationship with God may have suffered because of our choices or whatever, which it did for me. So it was hard for me to come back to God and say, I'm going to trust you with this, even though I walked away from you for the last several years or whatever, you know. So I definitely think it's a process, but one that's worth sticking to and until you can get it because really we can't move on and can't succeed until we can surrender and give that give him everything we have and I don't know if that makes any sense but um, I am truly grateful that I don't have to have all the answers intellectually anymore that's a major thing that's changed for me and I may not know the answer to everything but it's okay I don't have to know everything and I'm grateful to know that I don't have to direct my life in everything I do, that it's okay to be just an, a person on the stage and let him be the director, <laughs> you know? So anyway, I'm grateful for the program and for the Lord's patience with me. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Karen. My name is Rich. Hi, Hi Rich. Rich. Hi, Rich. I am a child of God and a recovering drug addict. I'm grateful to be here this evening. Um, You know, I wish I could sit and tell you all the things I've done and the areas in which I've turned my will over to God and how it's wonderful and and all that. And um, I can just share my own experience about every time that I have turned my will over to God in any aspect of my life, be it personal, financial, whatever it is. The Lord has taken such good care of me. The areas in which I still hang on to, 
are the ones in which I'm still working on and that are not uh, the best parts of my life. But every single one in which I trust the Lord with on a daily basis is probably one of the best and most joyful parts of my life. Um, I read this paragraph, and I don't believe it was by coincidence. It says, you can accept with serenity the current reality of your condition when you trust in God's ability to help you. You can accept with serenity that although you cannot control the choices and actions of others, you can decide how you will act in each situation you face. If I could remember that for each of the trials and struggles that I face, I I know that things would be so much better in, in all of those aspects that I still hang on to. Sometimes when I'm struggling with something and trying to turn it over to Heavenly Father, when I actually know what His will is, I try and reflect back on that, that perfect example of, of my Savior, Jesus Christ. And even as He's facing the atonement um, and, and His moment of struggle, Him being asked by the Father ultimately to, to turn His will over, I ask myself the question, am, am I being asked something that's anywhere near as difficult as what the Savior is being asked to do? Is, is my struggle anywhere near the degree of, of what he was asked to face? And that seems to make it a little bit easier, little by little. I learn a lot through my, my children and their own experiences, and um, I'll just share this really quick story. I have a little boy who is very much like his father, help him in, in many ways. I hope, I hope that he learns just as I have, and I'm, I'm sure that he will through his own experience. But um, one time I took him with me, and uh, we went inside um, the store, and he asked if he could get a treat, and I, I decided, sure, whatever. And he goes and he grabs this bag of black licorice, and he's probably about five years old at the time. And I looked at him, and I said, you know what that is, right? And he goes, oh, yeah, it's great. I'm like, okay, whatever. And uh, I told him, I said, I, don't, I really don't think you're going to like that. I, I don't think that you're going to enjoy that at all. He's like, sure, I will, Dad. I'll eat the entire bag. I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, buy him this bag of licorice. He bites in the first one, and I'm watching in the review mirror as we're driving away in the car, and his face is just like, <laughs> do I have to finish this, you know? He's got that look on his face like, okay, Dad was right. I looked in the mirror, and I didn't say anything because he knew. He didn't need me to say, I told you that you weren't going to like that. And he handed me the bag of, of licorice, and he said to me, Dad, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't listen to you. I'm sorry I didn't listen to you, Dad. And uh, I saw myself kind of sitting in that car in the back seat with something that my Father in Heaven had told me it was not for me, but I insisted. I insisted it was for me. And just as my little boy did, he handed me his bag of licorice. And I took that from him. I said, you don't have to finish it. You don't have to finish it. I'm grateful for a Father in Heaven that does the same for me. That when I realize that I'm tired of it, I don't want that taste anymore. I don't want that pain And I hand it back to him, and I say, Father, I can't finish this. He takes it from me. 
And I'm so grateful for understanding that principle that if I'm willing to let go of the thing I insisted I have, my merciful Father in Heaven has made a way for me to do so. I testify that in the areas I turn my life over to my Father in Heaven, they get better and better. I just continue and pray that I can do that in many more aspects of my life. I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Rich. I'm Luann, and I'm a grateful recovering addict. Hi, Luann. Uh, step three for me is the absolute foundation of my uh, recovery and made all the rest of the steps possible for me. Um, I have tried and failed to get clean and sober more times than I can remember. And um, I've spent a lot of time in and out of jail. And um, I would go to jail, I'd get the drugs out of my system, and I would have a new resolve that I, Luann, of my own strength, would stay clean and sober. And I would get out of jail, and usually within a couple days, sometimes a couple hours, I'd be right back in the same situation that I was in before and hating life and just a mess. Um, Just almost seven years ago, I was arrested once again, and I was a complete mess. Um, I was literally knocking on death's door when I was arrested. Um, I had been trying to to quit using heroin, and... um, um, Two weeks prior to that arrest, I went to VOA and I um, I left and I overdosed and suffered a respiratory arrest that nearly took my life. And the last time my mother saw me uh, before that last arrest, she said she could see me dying right in front of her eyes. And um, she went home and she started praying fervently that there would be an intervention that would save my life. And... Um, Two weeks later, I was arrested, and um, I almost immediately upon my arrest, I began receiving a prompting to go to the Lord in prayer, and I resisted that prompting because I felt so ashamed and unworthy to go to the Lord in prayer, and I thought, you know, I've tried and failed so many times, I'm just going to fail again. I don't know if I can do that again. The promptings persisted, and they were strong. They came several times a day as I detoxed from heroin over those first weeks in jail. And um, I had a powerful experience during a prayer about three weeks into my stay as I was pacing in my jail cell and a prayer just flowed out of my heart. And um, from that point forward, I knew that I was no longer alone. I knew that my Heavenly Father and the Savior knew me and they loved me and that with Him I could do this thing. And I knew that without him, it was impossible. But I knew that he was with me and that with him I could do this thing. And I made the decision at that point to make a complete about-face change away from my addiction and move in the direction of my Heavenly Father and to, to live along spiritual principles. However, I had no idea how to do that. I had spent the last five years of my addiction homeless and um, serving the adversary, um, living from fix to fix. 
So I had no idea how to be clean and sober. Um, um, I was facing some charges that were kind of scary, and um, I started praying on a regular basis, and I started going to church, and I started going to these meetings in jail, and I felt the Spirit. I felt the Spirit, and it was so uplifting to me. Um, It was powerful, and people there would say, well, just turn it over to Heavenly Father. And I was like, what does that look like or feel like? He's not going to go to court for me. He's not going to do my time for me. Um, I don't know how to turn it over to him. So I just started praying, dear Lord, how do I turn this over to you? (laughs) Help me with the trust that I need to trust you in this process. And um, an amazing thing happened to me, and that was that um, my perspective about my situation changed, and my knowledge of who I was in Christ changed. I could see myself through the eyes of Christ, and I was no longer a sum total of the bad behavior that I had displayed throughout my life. I was a daughter of my loving Heavenly Father, and I wasn't afraid to go to court or see the judge or do my time because I knew God was with me, and that's exactly uh, what happened. I went to court, and I was sentenced to a year in jail, and that year in jail was the most life-changing, powerful experience of my whole entire life up until this point, and I'm grateful for it. I'm so grateful for that experience, being compelled to be humble that brought me to my knees to receive and come unto my Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, If there's one thing that I'd like to testify of, and that is that this is a come-as-you-are program. There's no prerequisite to come unto Christ. He loves us, me, in all of my sin and shortcomings, and wherever I stand right now, he loves me exactly the way I am right now. And so um, I've been on this amazing journey with my Savior from from that point to this, and and learning to trust him in, in all the different acts, aspects of my life, um, in, in my service and um, in my employment and uh, healing with my children. And it's just been a journey. And I've learned that he knows exactly what I'm, I'm going to be facing. He knows what's down around the corner for me. And he will prepare me for that today, right now, in this moment. And part of this is a preparation for something I'm going to face in the future. And I trust him in that. I trust him in the information and knowledge I get from each of you in these meetings. It's powerful. Things you say feed my soul and enrich me. And I can pass it on to somebody else who I may meet around the corner. And I love it. I love my Heavenly Father and my Savior, Jesus Christ. I know that he has a plan for me. I serve him wholeheartedly. My, um, my journey with him has taken me back to the jail where I can be a light to the other sisters at the jail and share my story of hope with them and testify to them what is possible for them as daughters of God. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I love this program. I know that these 12 steps are a divine order. Before these 12 steps came into existence, before Dr. Bob and Bill W. divinely were divinely inspired to uh, come up with these steps, people died in their addictions. They were institutionalized. Today, recovery is possible 
and it is a spiritual program. And God has a plan for each and every one of us to come out of the darkness. And it's a personal plan that's tailor-made for each and every individual. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hi, everybody. I'm Steve. Hey, Steve. Hi, Steve. Uh, wow. Luann's story. I, <laughs> I think uh, my will, or Heavenly Father's will for me is pretty much the same as it is for Luann because uh, my story is very, very similar. Um, first off, I would like to say boldly that putting my trust in God was the best decision that I've ever made in my entire life. And continuing to do so each and every day when I pray to him in the morning uh, has definitely blessed me. And I will, I will iterate, or iterate that. Um, let me begin by reading a scripture in Alma. It's actually Alma chapter 5. It's, it's just before the reference in, in the manual here. It's uh, Alma chapter, or chapter 5, verse 7. Behold, he changed their hearts. Yea, he awakened them out of a deep sleep, and they awoke unto God. Behold, they were in the midst of darkness. Nevertheless, their souls were eliminated by the light of the everlasting word. Yea, they were encircled about by the bands of death, and the chains of hell and an everlasting destruction did await them. I was, I was there. I was uh, encircled by the, by the bands of death. Um, from years of, of a heroin addiction, I... Uh, I was at that dead end. I, the gates of hell was right in front of me. Um, there was points that I actually wanted to, to give in uh, to destruction. Um, so, so trusting in God was something different than I had never tried before. I had tried going to detox facilities, rehabs. Um, I, I tried it numerous times to try and quit on my own, um, but but nothing would would seem to work. It, I would I would go into detox on um, heroin and cocaine, and then I'd come out on Valium and Suboxone. Uh, it, it just it, it didn't really fit the bill. I I was still addicted, um, and, and nothing nothing really was working. Uh, Einstein de- defined crazy as doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And that's what I was, I was going crazy. You know, I, I was luck, lucky enough to, to be blessed to, to get thrown into to Salt Lake County Metro Jail to where I was compelled to be humble. And I, too, like Luann, uh, had a couple guards say, Man, it looks like you're going to die. The Salt Lake County Jail was holy ground for me. It's it's where I decided, I made the decision to to trust in God. Um, That's where the the rubber hit the road for me. Uh, Like I said, I was was pretty much homeless. uh, Burned every bridge that that I had with family and friends. So nobody was going to take me. So in jail, I decided to, to stop being crazy and uh, trust in God. And, and from it, in doing so, 
Um, I have three years sobriety. I'm, I'm, right. you know, I'm, I'm not 11 years or 23 years, but the reason why there is 11 and 23 years is because they trust in God. Um, he is my light. He lights my path. Um, my life now consists of uh, uh, joy, peace, and happiness, something I never thought existed. Uh, I used to think this world was nothing but chaos and ugliness and, and destruction. And, and yeah, it was just a, a living hell for me. And, you know, for, for trusting in God, um, I've been able to uh, uh, stay sober, uh, clean up uh, my bankruptcies. I have found a new wife. Um, and, and I tell you, uh, I, I found out what, what true joy really is. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what joy was before because uh, Satan's a great counterfeiter. I thought I'd find joy in something like parties and, and status. Status is where I thought I'd find joy because I had, I had a nice car, nice house, things like that. But those things don't even come close to comparing uh, to the day that I... I was standing in the hospital room with my wife, and she was giving birth to my first daughter. Um, to see my daughter take her first breath of air, uh, that's where I found true joy. Um, to see life rush into her little body, that was, that was so amazing. And, and that little girl brings me happiness every day, and I have peace in my life. Um, Peace that I never, I never knew existed. I could, I could close my eyes at night or at when it's time for bed and not think about a single thing. Um, that's peace. I used to worry about everything that that crossed my path, but but today today life's good. Um, he's also blessed me financially and as far as school goes. I'm I'm, I'm attending college for the first time. I mean, his will for me. Uh, has been has has been so neat, um, uh, but but the biggest blessings come from uh, being able to serve and, and share my story in these rooms, and also serving in the in the primary. I teach the valiant eight, eight and nines. Boy, those kids they they get me nervous sometimes. We used to have Bible study with the the convicts in jail with tattoos on their neck. Those guys are nothing compared to these kids. Uh, they're impressionable. I, I I really, I really enjoy uh, uh, serving my heavenly Father in that capacity. Um, his will for me is is for me to, to have joy, for me to, uh, love my life. Um, I I'm so thankful for that. Um, I love my Savior and what He has done for me. It's good that I've been afflicted. It's it's. Uh, let me experience the atonement like uh, uh, I, I could have never even imagined. I know my Savior. Um, I feel His embrace um, continually, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, it's my witness that no matter how far gone we are um, on any drug or, or in any addiction, if we trust in God... Uh, he, he makes so much more out of our lives than we could have ever even dreamed. 
Um, and I, I thank him for that and say these things humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. My name is Dub. Hi, Hi Dub. I'm a grateful son of God who has been filled tonight. This has been a powerful meeting, and I have heard so many wonderful things that have touched my heart and my soul and taken me back to some sweet and some painful memories. But that's what this program does, is it always keeps us moving forward. Uh, the main thing that I've heard tonight from everybody, and it's been awesome, is that this program is a program of moving forward. You know, we can spend the rest of our lives worrying about 1964, <laughs> and we won't have to worry about Einstein's definition <laughs> of insanity. We will be insane. So I just want to take you on one little trip back to November 4th, 2000. After many, many years starting my recovery in 1965, I know there's a silence gone over, like, who could be that old? <laughs> anyway, I started my... Okay, well, well, well spoken, Robert. Anyway, uh, the new math doesn't even work for my story, because November 4th, 2000... 12, I will have 13 years clean and sober. Awesome. Okay? Now, for the bad news, I started it in 65. That math doesn't fit, so there's a lot of vague years. But the good news is, on November 4th, 2000, after arm wrestling my bishop, who was one of my old drinking buddies that just put a lid in it and walked away and never drank again, I went to him and I said... You know, you know that I've been going to AA for years, and I'm doing okay, but, man, it's there's got to be something more. And my siblings in New Mexico tell me there's a meeting that the church has. And he goes, I don't think so. I'd know about it. And I said, you're telling me they have that back in New Mexico, in, in the little old Four Corners area, uh, and we don't have it here, right? in the shadows of the Salt Lake Temple? He says, I don't think so, but let's send you up to family service and get you some counseling. So I went up there, and my counselor, uh, you know, I said, before you start, do we have a program? And he goes, yeah, we do. I'll, I'll give you the list when we leave. And I go, no, I just want the list. <laughs> so he could see that I was a knucklehead, so he gave me the list and said, get out of here. <laughs> I looked on the list, and the first meeting was Monday at 12 o'clock at Pioneer. Pioneer was just one stake over from my cannon stake. So I went to this noon meeting, but on the way down, I went through Desert Book because my counselor says the book we use is called He Did the Note. He did deliver me from bondage. So I, I paid for it, and I went over to my meeting, and I walked in, and there was a whole stack of them with a sign that said $10 each. Well, I just paid eighteen ninety five for mine at Desert Book. <laughs> so I said, oh, okay, this is where I belong. Anyway, the facilitator that day said, welcome. We always say this to newcomers. What was your name, Dub? Welcome, Dub. I got some good news and bad news. I said, okay. 
the good news is, Dub, you don't ever have to drink again, even if you want to. I said, what's the bad news? The bad news, we're your new friends. <laughs> and also, anyway, that was the day that I made a decision, was that day. I listened intently as those 33 people shared in that high council room. And the last time I'd been in the high council room was to get excommunicated. But by now I was back in the church and I'm sitting in there and, man, this is powerful. I went home and got in my bedroom closet and closed the doors and turned out the lights. And I made a decision to surrender for the first time in my life. All those years in AA, I, I had fake surrendering for a few hours, a couple of times, a few weeks, but always took it back. This time, I could not stop crying for 45 minutes. I wept like a small child that I was. And that's the day that my new life started. And I have been blessed that I have never had a slip since that surrender. That's how powerful it was for me. So as you talk about your decision tonight, I know exactly that moment. And that is so powerful that we all have that in common, and none of us have any recovery unless we have a spiritual awakening through surrender. I bear that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, 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 Dad. Love you, Dad. Thank all of you for sharing. It was absolutely wonderful. Appreciate it. I'm going to turn the time back to Elder Ennis. Thank you, Robert. And I thank each one of you personally uh, for the things that you shared this evening. The Spirit has definitely been here this evening, and uh, I feel like that needs to be acknowledged. The Spirit is definitely here. Uh, grateful for the opportunity to be a part of this. Um, one of my most favorite things about these meetings uh, is the Spirit of Truth. Uh, that it's a it's a common thread that runs through each one of these meetings as we come to these meetings, and as we open our souls, we share the truths of our lives. Uh, that's one of the purposes or one of the callings of the Holy Spirit is to testify of truth. That's why these meetings are so powerful is because we're testifying of the truths of our lives and coming unto Christ, coming unto God uh, to be healed by Him. You know, uh, step three uh, for me, step three was in many ways easy and step three in many ways it was really, really hard. Um, you know, uh, I can remember one night kneeling down. Uh, it was after uh, my wife, uh, she had taken the, our, our children and gone down to California to, to be with her sister. Uh, and I was all alone. And uh, I knew that I had done what I needed to do. I had come forth. I had confessed my sins. I had confessed my addiction. I had confessed the things that I had done. And... Uh, I had to put my faith and my trust in our Heavenly Father because of the destruction 
the destruction that took place. I mean, it uh, was just like a, a bomb went off in my life, in my family's life, in my wife's life. And everything was just completely displaced. And I had to rely wholly upon our Savior. Uh, there was a scripture that um, my wife actually shared with me uh, while she was down in California, uh, found in Jacob. Uh, it's chapter 4, verse 13. And it says, and, and I share this scripture for the, for the purpose of speaking to the individual who is questioning, who is really wondering how to trust God. You know, can I trust God? You know, what, what's this whole thing about trusting our Heavenly Father, trusting our Savior? And uh, it, it, it falls in line with, with the Spirit, the Spirit of these meetings. And it says, Behold, my brethren... He that prophesieth, let him prophesy to the understanding of men. For the Spirit speaketh the truth, and lieth not. Wherefore, it speaketh of things as they really are, and of things as they really will be. Wherefore, these things are manifested unto us plainly for the salvation of our souls. Now, I share that scripture to the soul who is questioning and wondering. Hush yourself. Listen to the Spirit. Follow its promptings. The Spirit cannot lie. And the Spirit, as you hush yourself, and as you come unto Christ, it will tell you that's the direction to go. Part of its calling, part of the Holy Spirit's calling, is to bring us unto Christ and teach us what we need to do to surrender, to surrender our will to His will. You know, so that the Spirit... The Spirit. Follow the Spirit and listen to the Spirit. Um, now, along the lines of who is it that we're putting our faith and our trust in? Uh, the Savior, our, our Savior, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Alma chapter 7, verses 11, 12, and 13, this speaks to the reasons why we can and we are able because we have a fully suffering Savior. We have someone who knows and understands. It says, speaking of our Savior, and He shall go forth suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind. And this, that the word might be fulfilled, which saith, He taketh upon Him the pains and the sicknesses of His people. And He will take upon Him death that he may loose the bands of death which bind his people, and he will take upon him their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh, that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities. Now the Spirit knoweth all things. Nevertheless, the Son of God suffereth according to the flesh, that he might take upon him the sins of his people that he might blot out their transgressions according to the power of his deliverance and excuse me according to the power of his deliverance and now behold this is the testimony which is in me um, the savior knows the savior knows you he knows me he knows all of us he knows the ins and the outs of our lives he knows what we've been through and the amazing thing that somehow his atonement. He was able to experience everything that we're going through, everything that we're suffering, everything that we have suffered. 
He has already solved the puzzle of our lives. And he's the one that we need to turn to, that we need to exercise our faith in so he can untie all of the knots and show us how to put the puzzle pieces in the correct order. You know, um, there's another scripture that, uh, that I want to share uh, found in Helaman. And this is kind of a promise as we let go and as we surrender to God. Um, this, this, is, this is what happens. Uh, Helaman chapter 3, verse 35. Nevertheless, they did fast and pray oft and did wax stronger and stronger in their humility and firmer and firmer in the faith of Christ unto the filling their souls with joy and constellation, yea, even to the purifying and the sanctification of their hearts, which sanctification cometh because of their yielding their hearts unto God. Um, that's one of my most favorite scriptures. I mean, uh, it, uh, it's the essence of step three. There is an empowering presence. There is... Uh, there's a sanctification that takes place as we humble ourselves and as we place our will on the altar and as we willingly place our hands in the Savior's hands and put our trust in Him. The Spirit lieth not. He will not lead us astray. He will show us the special little tailored plan that He has figured out for each one of us. He has solved the puzzle of our life and He knows what we need to do, the steps that we need to take to overcome our addictions. And I just want to humbly testify of His divine love, the power that He possesses to deliver us from bondage, to loose the chains of hell from off from around our necks, and to deliver us. It's real. It's real. Our Savior lives. He loves each one of us, no matter how far we have strayed. And I'm speaking to those individuals who are really out there questioning themselves and wondering, is it real? Does it really happen? I testify that yes, it does. And it can happen just as it has happened for each one of us. It can happen for you as an individual who is coming unto God, who is recognizing that they do have a problem, that they do have an addiction, and that there is a need for God in their life. Come unto Him. He will not fail you. And I testify of that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. You bet. In closing, please remember that what has been shared here is confidential and that the opinions expressed here are those of the individual who expressed them and do not necessarily represent LDS Family Services or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We encourage you to purchase a personal copy of the guide for note-taking during, these, during the meeting. We also recommend using the Studying and Understanding and Action Steps sections between meetings to build on what you have heard and experienced in this meeting. Finally, we thank each of you for your participation. Your presence here demonstrates your humility and faith, and it inspires hope in everyone attending today. Would someone please volunteer for a closing prayer? I'll be glad to do that. Thank you. Our kind, loving, eternal Father in heaven, we a few brothers and sisters, recovering saints, gather here tonight at the close of this 
powerful LDS 12-step recovery meeting, Father. We could never be grateful enough for the work it has taken to bring these 12-step meetings into a house of the Lord where we might be surrounded by the still small voice of the Holy Ghost and even feel the embrace of our Lord and Master, thy Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, bless us all as participants here this evening that we may have gained some nuggets that we might be able to tuck away in our inner souls that become part of us as we continue our battle in our individual recoveries towards our baby steps of eternal progression, Father. And uh, we would ask a special blessing upon our brothers and sisters that are still out there suffering and researching their addictions, that they may be touched in some manner and have a broken heart and a contrite spirit that they may be willing to come and join us in a future meeting. Father, watch, all of, watch over all of us as we travel to our homes this evening. And we're so grateful for the wonderful spirit that we felt here tonight, Father. And we, as always, acknowledge our wonderful, tender mercy and serendipitous blessings through thy hand, Father, and thy Son, our brother, our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Find hope and connect with God and others who understand you through the Church's Addiction Recovery Program. Join us at a virtual or in-person support group meeting. Visit addictionrecovery.churchofjesuschrist.org to get started.